Twanging down the slope to the right of us where the boulders are. Missed my shoulder by an inch or so, and plugged the mule that carried all the provisions and utensils. I never heard such a death rattle, before or since. And at that we became aware of a number of gentlemen, carrying matchlocks, and dressed in things like plaid dusters, dodging about along the neck between the village and the crest to the east. Right about face, I said, not too close together. And with that encouragement, my expedition of ten men came round and set off at a smart trot down the valley again hitherward. We did not wait to save anything our dead had carried, but we kept the second mule with us. He carried my tent and some other rubbish out of a feeling of friendship. So ended the battle, ingloriously. Glancing back, I saw the valley dotted with the victors, shouting and firing at us. But no one was hit. These chins and their guns are very good, except at a sitting shot. They will sit and finick over a boulder for hours, taking aim, and when they fire running, it is chiefly for stage effect. Hooker, one of the Derbyshire men, fancied himself rather with the rifle, and stopped behind for half a minute to try his luck as we turned the bend, but he got nothing. I am not a xenophon to spin much of a yarn about my retreating army. We had to pull the enemy up twice in the next two miles when he became a bit pressing by exchanging shots with him, but it was a fairly monotonous affair, hard breathing chiefly, until we got near the place where the hills run in towards the water and pitched the valley into a gorge, and there we very luckily caught a glimpse of half a dozen round black heads coming slanting ways over the hill to the left of us, the east that is, and almost parallel with us. At that I called a halt. Look here, says I to Hawker and the other Englishmen. What are we to do now? And I pointed to the heads. Headed off, or I'm a negro, said one of the men. We shall be, said another. You know the chin way, George. They can pot every one of us at fifty yards, says Hawker, in the place where the river is narrow. It's just suicide to go on down. I looked to the hill to the right of us. It grew steeper lower down the valley but it still seemed climbable, and all the chins we had seen hitherto had been on the other side of the stream. Is that all stopping? says one of the sepoys. So we started slanting up the hill. There was something faintly suggestive of a road running obliquely up the face of it, and that we followed. Some chins presently came into view up the valley, and I heard some shots. Then I saw one of the sepoys was sitting down about thirty yards below us. He had simply sat down without a word, apparently not wishing to give us trouble. At that I called a halt again. I told Hooker to try another shot, and went back and found the man was hit in the leg. I took him up, carried him along and put him on the mule, already pretty well laden with the tent and other things, which we had no time to take off. When I got up to the rest with him... Hooker had his empty martini in his hand, and was grinning and pointing to a motionless black spot up the valley. All the rest of the chins were behind boulders or back round the bend. Five hundred yards, says Hooker, if an inch, and I'll swear I hit him in the head. I told him to go and do it again, and with that we went on again. Now the hillside kept getting steeper as we pushed on, and the road we were following more and more of a shelf. At last it was mere cliff above and below us. It's the best road that I have seen yet in Chin Lushai land, said I, to encourage the men, though I had a fear of what was coming.
and in a few minutes, the way bent round a corner of the cliff. Then Finney's. The ledge came to an end. As soon as he grasped the position, one of the Derbyshire men fell a-swearing at the trap we had fallen into. The sepoys halted quickly. Hooker grunted and reloaded, and went back to the bend. Then two of the sepoy chaps helped their comrade down and began to unload the mule. Now when I came to look about me, I began to think that we had not been so very unfortunate after all. We were on a shelf, perhaps ten yards across at its widest. Above it, the cliff projected, so that we could not be shot down upon, and below was an almost sheer precipice of perhaps two or three hundred feet. Lying down, we were invisible to anyone across the ravine. The only approach was along the ledge, and on that one man was as good as a host. We were in a natural stronghold, with only one disadvantage. Our sole provision...